Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is a draft week edition of the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by betonline.ag. Use that promo code podcast1 to get a 50% sign-up bonus today over at betonline.ag. Also, make sure you're always tracking everything that Evan Silva does on social media. His Twitter is at Evan Silva. The podcast network, the RT Media, Ross Tucker Media Podcast Network, at RTF Podcast. Personally, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Big, big day, Evan, because we are unveiling on audio your mock draft for 2019, which is huge because you had the best mock draft in the galaxy a year ago. The single best mock draft out there. Very, very impressive. And so now everybody gets to see the first unveiling of what you've got this year. Before we get to that, though, I want to make sure everyone is aware of something you've been tweeting about, actually, Evan, which is the new podcast from Wondery, Sports Wars, where you hear what happens when some of the most elite athletes in the world battle their biggest rivals for the chance to go down in history as one of the greats. Some of these matchups are awesome. Brett Favre, I know, is the one you've been tweeting about, Evan, being challenged for a spot by Aaron Rodgers. There's one with Isaiah Thomas and the beef he had with Michael Jordan after he wasn't on the Dream Team. Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. Very, very cool. And here's the tip. Make sure you listen through to the end of this podcast because there's going to be a clip of Sports Wars presented by Wondry at the end. You can also subscribe to Sports Wars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or however you're listening now. All right, Evan, not a huge surprise. Number one, you have the Arizona Cardinals taking Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray. Yeah, this is the chalk for sure. Kyler Murray, you know, I think that the Cardinals need to avoid falling victim to the sunk cost fallacy. They definitely, you know, I think it, it's it's possible that they keep Josh Rosen too after drafting Kyler Murray. But here, here's kind of the definition of the sunk cost fallacy. Individuals commit the sunk cost fallacy when they continue a behavior or endeavor as a result of previously invested resources, even when it's to their detriment. And I think that, look, you took the shot on Josh Rosen, you know, at the number 10 overall pick. And but the next year you wound up with the number one overall pick. And this is a very rare opportunity. You don't want to be drafting at number one overall really ever again. And 
You know, you're looking at your options. You take Kyler Murray because he's got a higher ceiling than Josh Rosen and because he is a better system fit for Cliff Kingsbury, who's going to be bringing the air raid offense to Arizona. Um, and I think it's it's almost a no-brainer. I know that Kyler Murray is not a clean prospect, but I think it's almost a no-brainer. I think that this gives your franchise the best opportunity to dig it itself out of this hole. You pair him with Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson on an offensive line that you sunk a bunch of resources into this offseason. I think they go with Kyler Murray at one. Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray goes number one. Number two, the Niners. You have them taken Ohio State DN Nick Bosa. This was not a good pass rushing team last season. They finished with the NFL's eighth fewest sacks. They had 30, 37 sacks last year. Twelve of them were from one player, DeForest Buckner. DeForest Buckner accounted for 32% of the 49ers sacks last season. And one game. In week nine against the Raiders, I think they had like 10 sacks. Um, or no, they had seven sacks. Anyways, that accounted for 20% of their sacks all of last season. So, look, they went out and got D Ford, and but they still need more. And I think that, look, when you, you pair Nick Bosa and D Ford with their interior presences, Eric Armstead and Buckner and uh, Solomon Thomas – you can actually turn what was a weakness last year into a strength. And that's hard to do, but the 49ers have the opportunity to do that. I think that'd be really, really big for their team. Number three is where you really get interesting here. Mm-hmm. You've got the Giants trading up with the Jets, a New York trade that most people think they would never, ever do. And <laughs> Alabama defensive tackle Quinnen Williams going to the Giants. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. That oh, you can never make a trade between you know teams that play in the same city. I don't understand that. But but I, I that, that certainly is, is kind of out there as a theory. Um, but here's another theory for you. So Dave Gettleman has spent he has overseen the draft as a general manager six times in his career. And these are the number of picks that, well, first of all, you have to understand the Giants have 12 draft picks, the most in the league this season. That's, you know, it's not because they did anything clever. They just traded away Odell Beckham, Damon Harrison, Eli Apple, Brett Jones, and then they spent uh, their third round pick uh, in the supplemental draft last year on Sam Beal. Either way, they have 12 draft picks this year. And, But if you look at Dave Gettleman's history, he's never had more than seven draft picks. Or he's never used, he's never executed more than seven draft picks in a year. He's overseen six drafts in his career. He's executed five, six, five, five, seven, and six for an average of 5.7 picks per draft. He's never traded down in a draft in his career uh, in, in any round, not even like in the sixth or seventh round. But he has traded up a lot. I think he's going to trade up in this draft. I think he's. I think he doesn't believe in using you know twelve draft picks. I think that he's going to probably end up executing somewhere between six and eight draft picks. And I think that he's going to use his some of his later later end stuff. He's got three fifth fifth round picks, for example, to try to move up the board. In this scenario. He goes after Quinn Williams 
at number three overall. We know that the Jets want to trade down. We know, I mean, they have put the number three overall pick up for sale. Like, that's not a secret to anyone. Um, and they need draft, They are a team that needs draft picks. They only have six draft picks. They don't have a second-round pick. So I think that here the Jets would be targeting the Giants' second-round pick. They might not be able to get it. Maybe they would have to settle for uh, the Giants' later three and then uh, maybe uh, one of their fives. You know, and we, we can debate that. But either way, in this mock draft, the Giants come away with the number three overall pick, and they take one in Williams to be a hog molly up front with um, some of the, the promising young players uh, that they drafted last year up front and the year before Dalvin Tomlinson. So uh, that's what we're going with at number three. Number four, you got the Raiders then taking Houston D tackle Ed Oliver. Yeah, just word on the street is that the Raiders are super, super high on Ed Oliver. I think he jumps right in, and he's your three-technique defensive tackle day one. Um, he plays the Geno Atkins role in Paul Gunther's defense. Exactly. Bucks at five, LSU linebacker Devin White just sliding in there for Quan Alexander. Exactly. 2018 Buckus Trophy winner. Um, he's an upgrade, I think, on Quan Alexander. And uh, one thing that has really – one idea about um, this player, Devin White, that has really um, – I think fueled his rise up the board. He doesn't necessarily play, you know, one of the most valuable positions. Uh, although if you look at guys that play off ball linebacker and are, are really at the high end, these guys are huge difference makers. I mean, Luke Keekley, you know, Dion Jones, guys like this. And I think that Devin white can be like that. And he's also drawn consistent praise for his leadership skills. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it'd be a, a real solid pick here for the Bucks. High floor, high upside. Then you get to number six where the Jets traded down and they can take Josh Allen. So they get a guy a lot of people thought they might take it three and pick up an extra draft pick. Exactly. And, you know, they, they had a deal with Anthony Barr in free agency. Uh, but Anthony Barr, you know, had a change of heart the very next morning, went and re-signed with the Vikings um, but I think that Josh Allen is a kind of similar player to Anthony Barr, uh, but might have more just pure pass rush upside. I mean, he was second in the nation in sacks this past season. Also a guy uh, that can drop in, into coverage like Anthony Barr could, but uh, maybe a better pass rusher. And that's what the Jets need. I mean, the Jets have not had a big-time pass rusher on the outside since John Abraham. Number seven, Jaguars, Florida offensive tackle, Jawan Taylor. You see that in a lot of mock drafts. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm kind of sticking with the chalk here. Um, he jumps right in at right tackle, uh, day one starter, replacing Jeremy Parnell. They just have a big gap at their right tackle position right now. The rest of their offensive line looks good on paper. Cam Robinson will be back from the ACL. Andrew Norwell will be back from the ankle. Brandon Linder will be back from the knee. Um, uh, they re-signed AJ Can. They plug and play Jaywan Taylor, and you know you're talking about a big offensive line uh, with I think a lot of upside. We talked about the Jaguars' offensive line as a unit that might take a big leap last year. Unfortunately, four of the five starters wound up on injured reserve. Um, they're probably going to have a little bit better fortune uh, from an injury standpoint this year, and I think that. Uh, Adding Jaywan Taylor to it, it completes the front five. 
Speaking of injuries, you have Lions taking Michigan DN Rashawn Gary. Uh, we know he had an issue last year with his shoulder, and now Ian Rappaport reported this morning it's a labral tear that he can likely play through this season with a harness and then get operated on after the year. Yeah, and I saw that report this very this very morning. Didn't have time to change my mock draft. I might change it. Uh, before the uh, final mock draft will be submitted on Wednesday night. Um, but right now, I, you know, my thinking is that he jumps right in and plays left defensive end. You move Trey Flowers, you use Trey Flowers as your right defensive end, Rayshon Gary as your left defensive end. And you have some talent on the interior, you know, uh, in Detroit right now. Snacks Harrison, um, uh, m- most prominently, and also uh, Deshaun Hand, who had a great rookie year. Um, so you're talking about a defensive line that was terrible as recently as a couple of years ago, all of a sudden becoming a strength. That was my thinking behind the Rayshon Gary pick. Yeah, I would be surprised since they just had to deal with Ziggy Ansah and the shoulder harness last year, and he only played in seven games. I, you know, maybe that's recency bias, but I doubt they want to go down that road again. How about the Bills? You haven't taken Alabama offensive lineman Jonah Williams, who I love. Yeah, Jonah Williams is a guy who I think is hard to slot. It seems like some people in the NFL think that he's a better fit as an interior player. Um, But, I mean, he was a great tackle at Alabama, and I think he would probably play right tackle for Buffalo. You know, I like the signing of Ty Nsiki by Buffalo, but he's also a guy who's older. He was kind of like a, a journeyman type. I mean, he spent a lot of time like even on a practice squad at age 30. Um, I'm not sure that he's a guy that, although I like the signing, I think they might prefer him as like their sixth offensive lineman. Or they could use him at right guard over Spencer Long, who wasn't very good uh, for the Jets last year, got cut, and, you know, the Bills signed him. So, But I think that, you know, Jonah Williams would, would give them some possibilities at a number of dip- different positions. Ultimately, obviously, if you're – if you're using the number nine overall pick on him, he's probably going to be a day one starter. And that's what I think he would be. It's just a matter of where do you play him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, you know, consistent executor, had a great career, um, one of the best line, offensive linemen in the nation. And I think he's a high floor pick for them. Number 10, Broncos get a tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson helps them in the run game and in the pass game. You know, uh, Jeff Hoyerman had some moments last year, but we're, we're looking to upgrade here. Joe Flacco has leaned heavily on tight ends throughout his career. You think of guys like Dennis Pitta, and uh, I think that TJ Hawkinson gives him a, a more dynamic version of a Dennis Pitter and a much better, much better blocker. 11 Bengals. A lot of people saying this. You got them pulling the trigger with. Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, it's a new era in Cincinnati, new head coach. And uh, I think that they take the shot here on Dwayne Haskins, who falls a little bit in the draft. You know, you look at Andy Dalton's contract, and they they very well, even in this scenario, may keep him for another year. They probably would. Uh, I mean, Dwayne Haskins only started for one year at Ohio State. And they might put him on the bench to learn for a year, at least a, a half a year. 
But you know, they could drop him into a pretty good situation. I know that Tyler Eifert and A.J. Green have battled injuries recently, but Tyler Boyd took a big step forward last year. John Ross can't get any worse. Um, so in this scenario, they go with Dwayne Haskins, and he is the future. And if, if you look at any dog's contract, whether it's this year or next year, just all of his money comes off the books. There's not even any dead money whatsoever if they trade or release him. Um, so that would be a good salary cap situation for them. Uh, just too much upside, I think, um, from a salary cap standpoint, from a roster, from a team building standpoint, to pass on Dwayne Haskins at number 11 if he gets there. And in this, in this scenario, he does. Packers at 12 or getting a run and hit linebacker, Michigan linebacker Devin Bush. Yeah, you plug him in right away, right next to Blake Martinez. You know, they lost Jake Ryan to an ACL tear and then in free agency. Uh, to Jacksonville, Blake Martinez is in a contract year. Oren Burks is kind of the next man up at inside linebacker for them. He was a third-round pick last year. He may become a starter in 2020, uh, but Devin Bush becomes the starter in 2019 at a position where they have, you know, they just have a lot of short and long-term uncertainty. Number thirteen, the Texans trade with the Miami Dolphins to get the pass protector they wanted Washington State offensive tackle Andre Dillard. I love this. I love this trade and this pick. Yeah, they move up 10 spots up the board and the Texans have two second round picks, uh number 54 and 55. So they do have some ammunition to move up. They may have to give up a little bit more than that. Though maybe like a, a third in 20 uh, 20, but the Dolphins should be open for business in terms of teams that want to trade down. Um, they have a bunch of draft picks stockpiled for 2020, but this year they only have a basic seven pick draft. So they should be looking at, to compile more picks in this draft. If they can get one of those 54 or 55 from, um, from the Texans, you know, I think they might even be willing to take a little bit of a discount um, as it like you know, relative to like a, a draft board or a um, you know the, the Jimmy Johnson trade chart or whatever, you know, I think they might be willing to take a little bit of a discount. Like they were willing to pay some of Robert Quinn's salary, they were willing to pay some of Ryan Tannehill's salary to just get those guys off the books. I think they might be able be willing to take a, a, a discount to some extent on the trade market. And as you mentioned, Andre Dillard goes to Houston, best pass protector in the draft, you know, played at Washington state. All they do is pass protect there. PFF college gave Andre Diller the highest pass blocking grade in the nation as a senior. And that's in a big sample size because of how much pass blocking he actually did. So, uh, yeah, I think a trade that makes a lot of sense for both sides. Falcons get an edge rusher since Vic Beasley's a disappointment. Florida state outside linebacker, Brian Burns. Yeah. Brian Burns, one of the best just pure edge rushers, in the draft, you know, a guy that when you watch him play struggles at times with like offensive linemen that are, are, that get physical with him. But I mean, he's an edge bender. He's got incredible explosiveness and athleticism. Um, and yeah, he would, he would add to it. You know, the Falcons are not far off, man. I mean, the, the Falcons had a ton of injuries last year, uh, but they are not far off as a team. I have them as like a top eight roster right now but they need more pass rush and brian burns would give that to them 
15, you got the Redskins pulling the trigger on a quarterback, and it's Missouri quarterback Drew Locke. Yeah, so they've got Case Keenum. They've got Alex Smith, whose career might be over. Colt McCoy needed another surgery for his leg. I think that Drew Locke ends up starting probably by the end of the season uh, and at least least gives them some hope for the future in Washington. Hasn't been a lot of hope for the future in Washington for quite some time, at least since RG3. Carolina stays close. They won an edge rusher. They get one in Clemson, DN, Cleveland Farrell. Ton of production for Cleveland Farrell. Never ran a 40-yard dash before the draft. Um, didn't really have like a, a great excuse either. And I think that that has raised some concerns. Um, you know, a guy like that has this much production that, you know, was the ACC defensive player of the year and, you know, won the Ted Hendricks award and, you know, all, all these different awards usually would, would be a guy who would be drafted inside the top 10. I think, you know, plays a premium position is a pass rusher, but didn't do all the workouts before the draft. There's some concern about it. Like, is his is his production going to translate to the NFL? Um, but I think that he's a good fit here in Carolina. I think that ultimately he's going to be maybe a, a good, not great pass rusher. Um, I think he can add a lot to Carolina. Carolina needs help on the edge. I mean, they've got Mario Addison and then not a whole lot else. 17, another quarterback, Giants, Daniel Jones. I think everybody has this in their muck. Yeah, really. Um, definitely a, a chalky pick here. Um, you know, the David Cutcliffe connection with the Mannings. Uh, Eli Manning is apparently like actual friends with Daniel Jones. Um, so it would just be like, you know, make for, or at least theoretically, make for a smooth transition to where, you know, Eli Manning might be like, this is a guy that I'm cool with. You know, you know, this is a guy that I'm cool with. Bring him in. You know, I have no problem teaching him. You know, I'll hang out with him every day. And I think the Giants view Daniel Jones as a guy who's got a good head on his shoulders um, and makes a, lot of success, makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways to become Eli Manning's successor. Then you get to 18. The Vikings take NC State interior lineman Garrett Bradbury. Just need an offensive. Just need offensive line help. I mean, you're talking about a roster that really is lacking nowhere except for one, one critical area. But in that one critical area, first of all, it's a very important area, very important position. Um, but second of all, they're just terrible at that. You know, at that one position group. So just take the best offensive lineman on the board. Might even do that at like in three different rounds this year for the Vikings. I mean, just pound the offensive line. I think Garrett Garrett Bradbury is going to be a stud. He could play center or guard. They could move elf line from center to guard. Um, Just gives them some options. They just need guys who can block people in Minnesota. Then you get to number 19, another O-lineman, the Titans, Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Yeah, a lot of different ways I could go here. I could go Montez Sweat who's going to go in a couple of picks. I think that the Titans absolutely need more pass rush. They also need a uh, right guard because they lost Josh Klein to the Vikings in free agency. And um, Cody Ford would give them a a power player at the right guard position and solidify their offensive line. Uh, I mean, they're pretty set at four of the five positions. 
Um, but right guard, they have a big hole, and I think that Cody Ford would satisfy that. Well, wow, this is interesting. At 20, you've got the Steelers taking Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf. Everybody else has them taking Rock Yasin from Temple. Oof, yeah, I don't even have Rock Yasin in my in my first round. Um, but yeah, I cornerbacks. I keep seeing cornerbacks mocked to the Steelers. I've seen Byron Murphy mocked there. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah even had them taking Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky. I have them going wide receiver here. I mean, you know, you, you lose Antonio Brown, you're losing a lot on the outside. You know, you, you've got Juju Smith-Schuster. He is excellent on the interior. James Washington didn't, didn't show a whole lot, you know, as a rookie. I mean, he was, there were long stretches where he was playing behind Ryan Switzer. Dante Moncrief, I think, was a sensible addition for them. Um, you know, wasn't terribly expensive has always shown some potential. He, he has had some good moments with good quarterbacks, like uh, with Andrew Luck. Um, but I think that they still need more. And here they go with DK Metcalf, a big vertical receiver. And, you know, this is a vertical passing offense. You don't want to lose that from your offense. DK Metcalf can give that to them uh, with, with Ben Roethlisberger, who has always he's always had an affinity for big receivers and he really hasn't had a truly big receiver um, in a while. DK Metcalf is that. 21 Seahawks, Mississippi State DN Montez Sweat. This feels like a Seahawks move. Yeah, I agree. And I also, um, you know, it also makes sense, I think, if they trade Frank Clark, who, you know, people are talking about them maybe getting a first round pick for Frank, Frank Clark. I don't know about that. Maybe they'll get a second round pick for him. But, I mean, they're going to need to replace him. Like, he's their – you know, he's by far their best pass rusher on the outside. And uh, Montez Sweat, I think, has big-time potential as an outside pass rusher. This dude ran 4-4-1 at the Combine at 260 pounds. Um, apparently, some teams don't have him on their draft boards because he has an enlarged, an enlarged heart. If he didn't have this medical problem – then I think he would be in the mix like as high as number six to the Giants. Uh, but here he slips a little bit, and the Seahawks come away re- with their replacement for Frank Clark. Number 22, the Ravens take an Oklahoma wide receiver, Marquise Brown. We need a guy who can separate for Lamar Jackson. We need a guy who he can see it. It's there. The guy is open. Marquise Brown can get open. You know, you could talk about his weight all we want. We could talk about the list Frank surgery. All the teams have signed off on, or at least the most of the teams uh, have reportedly signed off on Marquise Brown's um, recovery from this foot injury. He's made a very smooth recovery. She is super dynamic on, on tape. I mean, I am skeptical in general of receivers that weigh 165 pounds. But when I watched this guy play, I was like, this guy is, he's the real damn deal. Um, T.Y. Hilton slash Tyree Kill sort of talent. Number 23, a guy I really like, Clemson defensive tackle Christian Wilkins, and it's the Dolphins taking him after they trade down from 13. I'm not sure, Evan, this wouldn't have been the guy they would have taken at 13. I agree with that. Um, And I also wanted to note one thing about – so Football Outsiders did a – a study recently, and it showed that uh, college defensive linemen and edge defenders 
uh, a very predictive metric for them. And Hayden Winks, who we've had on the show, also uh, did showed something similar. Passes defensed is a kind of secret sauce metric for predicting college to pro success at those positions. And Christian Wilkins has the most passes defensed of any player in this draft class. Ed Oliver is also up there. But uh, so I'd like to see that from Christian Wilkins. I just think for a team that is clearly in a bottoming out rebuild phase, they should go with a high floor um, selection here and just a guy who's going to be a very likely building block. And I think that's Christian Wilkins. Number 24, the Raiders get the first corner off the board, LSU cornerback Greedy Williams. Yeah, Greedy Williams watched his game against DK Metcalf. Man, this was an awesome performance by Greedy Williams. I mean, just just locked him up. I mean, including penalties, DK Metcalf had 14 targets in this game, and uh, he caught three for 37 yards. And Greedy Williams was on him. Um, for at least half of those targets, um, I, I would say it was about nine to ten, including the penalties. I just was really, really impressed with Greedy Williams. You know, I think he is the best cornerback in the draft, at least the best perimeter cornerback. I think that Byron Murphy is really, really good as an interior cornerback prospect, but Greedy Williams, to me, the best perimeter cornerback um, and a great fit in Oakland, playing across from Gary and Conley, who took a step forward. Last year, I think the Greedy Williams will be a big upgrade over Daryl Worley. At 25, we have our third Clemson defensive lineman go off the board. This one to the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Clemson defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence, who the Eagles can put inside along with Fletcher Cox and recently signed Malik Jackson. Yes. And, you know, Fletcher Cox is going to be an every down player. I think Malik Jackson is going to be more of a sub package player. But they lost to Lodi Nada and, you know, they and they were hurt by not having Tim Jernigan. And I think that Dexter Lawrence kind of has a little bit of a poor man to Lodi Nada to him. I mean, just a guy that can move at an, an at a very uncommon rate, considering how big he is. I mean, almost 350 pounds. Um, so putting that guy on the interior of their defense, you know, I think that he's not necessarily a guy who's going to, um, you know, get up field and create a ton of sacks or anything like that. But I think that he's going to make life easier on Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox. And um, I think that he's a guy that can play right away. Um, and I, and he's also a guy that despite the fact that he, um, he tested positive for a banned substance, you know, I think the general vibe is that people in the NFL really think he's a good guy and uh, that he's like going to be a leader on the team as well. So I think he checks a lot of boxes for Philadelphia. Let's get to another defensive tackle, and it's the Indianapolis Colts. This is an interesting one. Mississippi State D tackle Jeffrey Simmons, the Colts. I don't think I've seen that one anywhere else. Mm-mm. Um, Mike Lombardi has called Jeffrey Simmons the best player in the draft, just purely on tape. Um, uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him as uh, somewhere in the high teens in terms of a prospect. So he is really highly regarded 
among people like with, with NFL history, NFL backgrounds, NFL connections. Um, he has some off-field concerns. He might have to redshirt as a rookie. I think in all likelihood what's going to happen is he, he's going to be placed on the PUP list, and then he's just going to be mon- – because he tore his ACL in January. And he's going to be monitored throughout uh, that initial time period, you know, the six, seven weeks where he's on the reserve PUP list. And, hey, if he's ready to contribute by week eight, nine, ten, then he'll be brought off the PUP list and, you know, could become a candidate to contribute late in the season. But I think that with the, t- the eye for talent that Chris Ballard has, um, you know, the Colts are not a team that's in a rush. You know, they're not a team that's in a rush. And I think that they're willing to have some patience and I think that they're going to see Jeffrey Simmons and think that he's worth the risk at number 26. Number 27, our first running back off the board, and that's Raiders taking Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Yeah, you know, there have been a lot of leaks from the Raiders. Whether Some of them may be fictional, some of them may be true, but you know, there's just been so much talk that they want Ed Oliver, so much talk that they want Josh Jacobs that I wonder if that is one of the reasons for, you know, that they sent all their scouts away, you know, a couple days early. You know, I mean, and, you know, they, then there was a debate on whether, oh, that's common or uncommon, you know, whatever. But they clearly, like, wanted to get those guys out of the building. And I do wonder if it's because, at least partially, there were a bunch of leaks. I think that they do want Josh Jacobs. Um, he is the number eight overall player on Daniel Jeremiah's big board, number 10, 12 overall player on Gil Brandt's big board. Um, you know, I don't think that he belongs in the first round necessarily, but I do think that he is a really good prospect, and I think that the Raiders want him, uh, and they have a very big need. I mean, they didn't resign Marshawn Lynch. They didn't resign Doug Martin, you know. Um, we're talking about this would be a backfield of Josh Jacobs, Jalen Rashard, and um, maybe a little bit of Chris Warren in 2019. I really like this next pick, Evan. I'm not sure I've seen this guy in a first round, but I love the way he plays. I love the team fit here. You've got the Chargers taking Washington offensive tackle Caleb McGarry at 28. Yeah, and you know, that's interesting. I, I almost put him up way, way higher. Um, maybe to the Texans, you know, at, at number 23, maybe as high as, I don't know, there are just, there are teams up here, you know, in the teams that need offensive linemen, the Vikings, I think that he might make sense for. Um, I definitely want to have him in my first round though, because I think he's going to go in the first round. And I hope that you're right, because in the, these mock draft contests, you get points if you get guys just right in the first round, doesn't matter if, you know, there, there are two different ways of scoring. You want to match up the players with the teams, but you also want to get guys in the first round. Last year, I got 28 out of 32 picks right in the first round, and that really helped me propel me up the board. Uh, so I'm definitely going to have Caleb McGarry in my first round. Um, hopefully some other people don't have him, you know, that are in the contest that don't have him in the first round. And here he's a big upgrade on Sam Tevy at right tackle for the Chargers. You know, that offensive line looked good early in the season for the Chargers. They weren't playing real well, especially on the right side with Schofield and and Sam Tevy and Mike Pouncey um, kind of declined as the year. They need to supplement this offensive line. This is a team that's in contention. I think he plays right tackle on day one for for the Bolts. 
Number 29, you got the Chiefs taking Washington cornerback Byron Murphy. Just a solid pick for them. I think he's probably a slot corner. Um, and they do have uh, Kendall Fuller. But I also think that he can play outside. I mean, he was primarily an, an outside corner at Washington. Kendall Fuller's contract is coming up soon, too, by the way. This is a team that has prioritized pass coverage players over pass rushers, especially this offseason. They, they traded D Ford. They moved on from uh, – they cut Justin Houston. Um, and But they still need to add to their secondary. They may all look, also look at pass rushers here. But I think that Byron Murphy is the best player they can get their hands on at 29. Let's get to number 30, the Packers. A little surprised that this guy's still on the board, but he is. And the Packers scoop him up. Iowa tight end Noah Fant at 30. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he could go, I think he could go 26 to the Colts. I think he could go 24 to the Raiders. You know, I think that he could go, um, I mean, I think he could go a lot earlier than this. Uh, I even saw him mocked up at number 12 to the Packers. I can't believe, I can't remember who it was by, but it was some, by somebody that, that I, I respect. Um, but yeah, he's a really tough guy to, to get your hands on. I think that I'm kind of hedging here because I couldn't see the Packers taking him at 12. And then, so if I have him mocked at 30 to the Packers, um, then like, I still get the pick and, you know, player selection, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the, the tactic that I'm taking here with Noah Fant, you know, Jimmy Graham, just, just don't think he has a whole lot left right now. And Noah Fant, Adds to their group of pass catchers. You've got Devontae Adams and a lot of young um, young guys with upside who haven't really established themselves yet. Uh, but Noah Fant adds to that mix and you know hopefully can form a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen how important that trust factor is with Aaron Rodgers. Number 31, the Rams, who I think probably want to trade down and recoup maybe a second-round pick. Or, or two if they can. If they stay there, though, you got them taking Mississippi State guard center, Elgton Jenkins. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, here at the end of the first round, I'm going to jam in some guys. This is just from like a mock draft um, uh, tournament uh, standpoint. I'm going to jam in some guys that other people that aren't very commonly seen in mock drafts. So if I can nail them, as first round picks, then I can get an advantage on the field. It could also backfire. I mean, if Elton Jenkins and you know uh, this next guy that that we're going to discuss don't even go in the first round, it's going to hurt me. But I mean, it's a risk that it's a risk that I'm willing to take. And with Elton Jenkins, he has gotten um, some kind of like low key buzz on being a first round pick. Uh, I think that he absolutely could be a surprise first rounder. The Rams are desperate for interior offensive line help. I mean, Austin Blythe wasn't very good last year. They lost Roger Saffold in free agency. John Sullivan moved on. You know, they have to replenish their interior offensive line. It's kind of, you know, not to the extent of the Vikings, but it's kind of similar to the Vikings in that I think that they need to hit like, they need to use like two or three draft picks on interior offensive linemen. And they get that ball, ball rolling here with Elton Jenkins out of Mississippi State. Final pick in round one, you've got the New England Patriots taking Maryland safety Darnell Savage, 
who seems to be a guy rising up boards as of late. Exactly. Um, I think that he, it, it, it seems to me that he has risen as coaches have gotten more involved in the process. He wasn't even a guy who was really discussed very much early in the process, but his coaches have gotten involved in the process. He has been a guy that has moved up. Um, and I think that they see him as a player that can be a starter at safety and also play slot corner, also be a cornerback in your nickel and dime packages. Um, and with the Patriots, you know, they need youthful replenishment in their secondary. Jason McCordy and Devin McCordy have like openly discussed retirement in recent years. Um, Jonathan Jones, who played slot corner for them last year, is in a contract year. You know, Jason McCordy and Devin McCordy are not getting any younger. They need more talent in the secondary, and Darnell Savage would give that to them. Now, they have six picks in the top 101 picks. Um, so I, they're a really interesting team. Could we see them finally trade up? You know, they never do that. But could we see them finally make some trades up and try to go get Hawkinson or try to go get Noah Fant? They're, they're a really interesting to see team to see what they're going to do in the draft this year. But here we have them taking Darnell Savage out of Maryland. Evan, the mock draft was amazing. And now everybody can, A, listen to you also stop by the Even Money podcast for more draft prop bets now that you went through your mock draft and have a good feel for where you think people are going to go. But also, just as importantly, go to betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1, and actually place some bets on the draft to make Thursday night even more entertaining than it already is. And also... To win some money based on the best mock draft in the galaxy from you, Evan. Again, betonline.ag. I think most of you know by now the promo code's podcast1. Hopefully a lot of you already have used it. If you haven't, I don't know what you're waiting for, but you should. Betonline.ag, promo code podcast1. Can't tell you how much we appreciate when you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and just a reminder, or whatever your podcast app you use, just a reminder, you rate and review the show, that's all you have to do. You take a screenshot of that, you can send it to me, ross at rosstucker.com, and ask Evan any question you've ever had about Roto World, Mock Drafts, your fantasy team, Dynasty, Keeper, What we don't care. We are open for business. If you take advantage of any of our great sponsors or you just buy something clicking through the Amazon ad on the homepage of RossTucker.com or you just rate and review the show, it is that easy. For right now, though, I'm stuffed. But if you're not totally stuffed, you can hear more Evan. Everybody wants more Evan talking a little gambling on the Even Money podcast. For right now, though, I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found. It's the morning of June 2nd, 2005 in the Green Bay Packers cafeteria. Teammates who haven't seen each other all spring are cracking jokes and telling stories about their off-season vacations. It's like the first day of school. Only the kids are 300-pound men, and school is Lambeau Field. 
the Packers' longtime home. The returning Packers won their division, but lost in the playoffs last season. For this team, winning the division has become second nature. The main reason? Their iconic quarterback, Brett Favre. He's been the leader of this team for 13 seasons, starting 225 straight games. Let that sink in for a second. As the NFL's clear Ironman, he's played through injury and illness each year. He's also 35, at least two years older than all but one other guy on the squad, and closer in age to some of the coaches than some of his teammates. This is all to say, Favre is untouchable in Green Bay. Today, Brett Favre sits alone at the far end of the cafeteria, reading the local paper. At this back-to-school day, he's more like the principal than a student. Some gray stubble covers his strong jaw, a loose-fitting blend of camo and cargo shorts make up his wardrobe. He's, well, he's weathered. He's definitely not giving off a stop-by-for-some-small-talk kind of vibe, but a few of the other veterans stop by to talk about Favre's off-season fishing, and then they shuffle off. So nobody really notices when the rookie, Aaron Rodgers, walks into the cafeteria. If Rodgers has any butterflies, the dark-haired 21-year-old isn't showing it. He feels confident for a reason. He's a big-deal rookie quarterback from California. A couple months ago, the Packers took him in the first round of the NFL draft. A big deal because you don't waste a first-round pick on a guy you don't expect to play. As a kid, Rodgers loved watching Favre even when that meant seeing his hometown 49ers lose to Green Bay like they did in the 1997 NFC Championship game. Rodgers has never seen Favre in person. He hasn't even heard from him since the draft, which is a little surprising. The rookie wasn't expecting to instantly become the legend's best friend, but he figured a quick, hey kid, welcome to the big time, sort of call might have come this spring. Nope. Rogers, once again, the new guy, walks the length of the room towards Favre to make the overdue introduction. For a moment, he pauses, tries to figure out the, quote, right way to play it. Come on, this is Brett freaking Favre. It feels surreal to meet a living legend who does what you do. This is Eddie Murphy meeting Richard Pryor, Eminem meeting Dr. Dre. He's been a fan for years, and now he's supposed to be a teammate? It's awesome, but also weird. So yeah, the rookie QB's a little nervous, but there's no way he's going to show it. He can't be a punk on day one. He's got to be himself. Show he's not intimidated. Show he's already one of the guys. So Rogers makes eye contact and says in a booming, jovial tone, Good morning, Grandpa. Yeah, so the moment the words leave his mouth, Rogers knows his attempt at humor doesn't go over well, and so does everyone else around. Even Favre is at a loss for words. He's not sure if he should laugh it off or just knock him out. Grandpa? In his sleep, he could outdo this kid from Berkeley, and... Grandpa? Hell, he's forgotten more football games than this kid has even played. Grandpa, sorry, Brett Favre, who had been slowly flipping his way through the local paper just a minute ago, could suddenly feel that old competitive fire burning again. That was just a preview of Sports Wars. To hear the rest of the story, subscribe to Sports Wars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now.
Angie's List is now Angie, your home for everything home. Angie still has the same top pros and reviews you've counted on for more than 20 years. Only now, you'll also get access to all the tools you need to make your home a happy place. Inside, outside, big or small, Angie helps you find the right solution for whatever you need done, all from your phone. It's simple to find upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. You can even search pricing guides to see what others paid for similar jobs and easily compare quotes from top local pros to make sure you're getting a fair price. From lawn care to repairing the AC to the project of your dreams, Angie has your home projects handled from start to finish. Plus, when you book and pay through Angie, they'll cover your project up to the full purchase price plus limited damage protection with their happiness guarantee. Make your home an Angie home. Check out Angie.com today. And for more on the happiness guarantee, go to Angie.com forward slash happiness hyphen guarantee dot htm.